0: Today, we're in Proverbs chapter 28. If you have the Bible, let's go ahead and open up there. And we're almost done with the Proverbs. We have a few more chapters after this, and then we'll just continue our journey through the Bible. And right now, we're in wisdom literature. Our prayer is that God would make us wise. You know, as a pastor, thinking about you guys are coming out and studying this proverb, and others that are watching online or listening to the studies. You know, we just don't want you to become a casualty. We don't want you to end life, I guess you could say, as a fool. And so that's why, you know, we get into the word and we have these parameters that God would use in order to bless, in order to guide us. And so look what we read here in Proverbs 28.1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And so you guys know this, huh? That every proverb is in one sense, a sermon in a sentence. And so it's kind of, there's a lot packed into this one verse. I will say this, that that one of the things I hope you come away with in you know the study tonight and just in your life as a Christian is I just, I want to be a righteous man. I want to be a righteous woman. I want to be in right relationship with God. Okay, it begins when you're When you get saved, you know, when you admit you're a sinner in need of a savior, you realize that Jesus died for you on a cross and rose again, and you place your faith in him. You say, one day, when I stand before God, it's not going to be based on my works, it's going to be based on the blood of what Jesus did for me. I believe, I embrace it, I receive it unto myself, and so that's where it starts, the imputed righteousness of Christ. But it doesn't end there that when you read the Proverbs, it talks about both. It talks not just about the imputed righteousness, but the imparted righteousness. And so, you know, in one sense, and again, there's a lot of grace involved. I understand this. But Lord, I want to be right with you. I don't want no hidden sin. Because that that will destroy your life. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And that's a beautiful thing when you think about it. You know, the wicked, they flee when no one even pursues them. The wicked, they have a guilty conscience. It's kind of like, you remember before you were a Christian and maybe you had some stash in the car and you're driving around and you're thinking that the cops are following you, you know, even though they're not, but you have this guilty conscience. Why? Because you're not living a clean life. You're not. And so there's this something about this guilt that, that makes it feel like it's all following you. But when you're living right with God, not perfect but proper, you know, you have this boldness in life. You know, you're like a, a young lion. And there's this boldness. Now, some people think that boldness is just talking about hell all the time. Some people think that boldness is getting into things that, I don't know if we really belong there, you know, always as a church. I mean, when you read the Bible you will find that boldness happens when they preached the word. You read that throughout the book of Acts. You read that throughout the New Testament, that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so that's our desire. You know, you might be here and you want boldness, and how do I get it? To be honest with you, I think it's just living a clean life. You don't got no secret sin. You don't got no skeletons in the closet. You're not looking at pornography. You're not getting high. You're not getting drunk. You're not doing all the crazy things you know that God is not pleased with. And so when you have that, it's kind of like David. When he ran to Goliath, when he ran to the battle like a young lion there, when everyone else was shaking in their boots, they, they couldn't do nothing because they didn't have that. But David was in right relationship with God. He would be out in the field. They'd be, you know, singing and worshiping and just such a beautiful, intimate relationship with God. And so when he comes to the battlefield and he sees Goliath, this nine-foot guy, it doesn't intimidate him. He can run to the battle. Why? Because he was right with God. And that's the heart that we have to have as well, you guys. The, the righteous, they are as bold as a lion. But unfortunately, those who are wicked, what we find right here, is that they end up fleeing, even when no one pursues. And, you know, when you look at this, there's a couple of things that I was thinking about. You know, one of the things that you'll find is that when you're living a guilty life, uh, when conscience is rousing, guilt is the parent of fear... I was thinking even of Adam and Eve. They had no fear until sin entered their life. And so prayerfully, I mean, again, I I know none of us here can be perfect, you guys, but prayerfully, as Christians, we strive to live a life that is obedient. Okay, and when we have that, I think that we're going to see stuff like this. Verse 2, it says, Because of the transgression of a land... Many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. And so it's interesting in verse two, it's talking about a, a, a nation perhaps, or maybe a city, maybe a community. It's talking about a land. Now, when we read the scriptures, I, I know for sure that Israel was a, a land. They were a people established by God, but... Um, but you don't see a lot of nations that were established by God. I think the United States was. I really do. There was something special about it. And there were probably others in times past. And, of course, it's applicable to, to all nations in that sense. But, but when you have one, thats it's clearly the Lord, the Lord that put them on the map. It, it says right here that when transgression takes place, because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. And so, it could refer to the fact that when there's sin in a nation, that there's going to be frequent transitions of power. For example, most of you know, when you read your Bible in the Old Testament, the northern kingdom of Israel, they had 20 different kings, they had nine different dynasties, I mean, there were assassinations taking place, and so there was no political stability, Right? And so it could be in reference to that. The southern kingdom was a different story, which kind of brings us to the second part of the verse. It says, but by a man of understanding and, and knowledge, right will be prolonged. And you know what? When you read that verse, it's almost like what a difference one person can make. It says, by, by a man of understanding. And so, you know, there's different ways of, I guess you could say, applying it. You can maybe look even at David and see what a difference David made in the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, what a difference a, a righteous man might make. And so, uh, a couple of things I want to mention. Not only the transition of power, um, but also he, some people will see this as Sometimes what ends up happening because of sin, because of transgression in a land, that governments, they kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, it's just crazy what ends up happening. But because of transgression in a land, many are its princes. You know, I don't know how it all is works sometimes. I know that whoever you are, as we're here tonight... I do pray that you would know that you make a difference. And you just never know what God will do with your life. You know, maybe you're the next Billy Graham. Maybe you're the next Amy Carmichael. And I don't know, but I will say this, that if you yield your life to the Lord, um, man, God can use you in tremendous ways. We all have to just catch that vision, by a man of understanding and knowledge. And when I look at that, I think two things. I think that he's got a, a, you know, a heart that's right. There's this understanding heart. And he's got a head that's right. He has some you know biblical um, knowledge and maybe even knowledge in, in life. And God will use such individuals. And so uh, verse 3, it says, A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a, a driving rain, which leaves no food. And so a poor man oppressing the poor it doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're supposed to be helping each other out, right? But uh, I think we've kind of all heard of the, like that crab mentality. If you can visualize these crabs in a bucket and one starts making his way out and the next crab down here, he pulls them down. Have you guys ever heard of the stories like that? You know, Basically, the poor were supposed to be helping each other out. I I remember hearing a long time ago that the gospel, uh, the Christian life in one sense is just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to get food. And so you got one poor man, he's just telling this other poor man, hey man, it's Jesus. Jesus will give you strength. Jesus will empower you. Jesus will wash away your sins. Jesus can do anything in your life and we're just helping each other out. But when a poor man oppresses a poor man, it's the, the 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 one that's intended to help. It's like this rain that's supposed to help. It says right here in verse three, like a a driving rain, which leaves no food. You know, I was thinking about this, and I just pray that we would know God has called us. And I think you know, most of us here are, I don't know, we're a little poor. You know, um, my prayer is that we'll help each other. Verse 4, it says, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. And so we're going to see the law mentioned a few times tonight. As a matter of fact, we're going to see some interesting things, a lot of antithetical parallelism and things like that. But but what we find is is forsaking the law, what's that? Like, I don't want to read the Bible no more. I don't want to hear Bible studies anymore i don't want to obey the bible anymore there are some people out there who have no interest in the word of god and and what we read right here is that those who forsake the law they end up digressing to a point that they actually praise the wicked see when you when you're in the word and you're and you're living your life as a christian and man you're just taking it in and say god i love it i want to learn it i want to live it you're going to praise the Lord. But what ends up happening is, is a, as a people, as an individual, as a society, as we go get away from the Bible, then we experience this thing is called cultural relativism. And cultural relativism says, well, the world tells us what's right and wrong. The world tells us who's noble and good and to be esteemed. And so when you... Forsake the law. Next thing you know, you find yourself, you find people. What are they doing? They're praising the wicked. But when you're holding on to the scriptures, man, and when it's your passion, and you know that God, like us, has put it in writing, and you're in the Bible, then you're going to be contending with the wicked. And that's a good thing, you guys. It really is. Not that you're... And you're fighting uh, uh, battles that are irrelevant, but there's a contention going on, you know? I mean, even with the modern-day politics, and I know uh, there's some that say, well, it doesn't belong in the church at all, and I think there are others who say, well, that's all we need to talk about. I think that we need to have a biblical balance. And so when you have a, a, an administration that is saying, hey, I'm going to take your tax dollars, and I'm going to kill babies, then we can contend with that. We we can say, hey, that's not right. We can raise our voices. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why it's important for us to have a, a balance. I believe that we can save babies by saving souls. That's probably going to be the best way, the most effective way, right? But it doesn't mean that we won't contend we won't resist we won't raise our voice against those who are using our tax dollars to do that and so that's why it's so important that we always we never forsake the law never ever get away from loving learning and living the bible okay we're going to see that as we go through our study today a few times verse five it says evil men do not understand justice But those who seek the Lord understand all. And so uh, evil men, really they're they're unsaved men. And because their minds are naturally blind and then further blinded by their own prejudices and passions and then further blinded by the God of this age, they're not going to understand what true justice is. You guys don't realize how, how blessed you are to be Christians. Do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you have the word of God? You can, we can actually see what is right and wrong. Evil men, they don't have that type of understanding. But it's interesting how it says those who seek the Lord, they understand all. You know, John wrote in his little epistle in 1 John, he said, you guys don't even need someone to teach you. He said, you have an anointing from God. It's the Holy Spirit. And, and it, with that Holy Spirit and with these scriptures, it's amazing how much we can understand in life. Verse 6, it says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways. Now, it, it's not saying that all rich people are bad. Um, it is possible to be rich and to be right with God. And Jesus said it's hard, it's harder for the rich man, but it is possible. But but what we're seeing right here is because it's better to be poor and right with God than to be rich and not right with God, um, we have to make sure that that is our passion, you guys. I, I think there are many people, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to see it here in, in the church, but there are many people that that's what it's all about, man. And not only do they want to make more money and pursue that that becomes uh, uh, it consumes their time, but but what ends up happening is with the money that they do have, all they do is is you know invested in themselves. And, and guys, is just trying to say, don't pursue that. Uh, pursue me. Pursue righteousness, like we were talking about in the beginning. I just want to be right with God. I want to be a man. In whom there is no secret sin. If God calls me to pray this way, then I will pray this way. Because there are sins of omission as well as sins of commission. And you know, you might not be looking at pornography anymore, but God's been calling you to pray for how long? And you don't. So all I'm saying is that, you know, we want to try to be right with God. We want to be an individual of integrity and understand that we're going to see it a lot even in our proverb tonight that uh, I don't know about you, but but maybe you've seen others look down on poor people. And for whatever reason, because you got a Maserati and you got a mansion, some people think they're better than the poor and God is saying, oh no. The the poor with his integrity, sorry, he's he's... He's way up here in my my esteem, God says. You know, you take the bus or you, you rent an apartment. You know, your closet is small. Your diet is simple. You don't have the latest. You don't have the greatest. But that person is better off than the wicked man. Even though he has all that money, it doesn't matter. Because it's only temporary. And without the convictions of Jesus Christ, It is all vanity. And Lord willing, we're going to get into that when we study the book of Ecclesiastes. And so just know, just in case you're here or you're whatever, you're here in the study one day and you're looking, you don't have a lot of money, you're living paycheck to paycheck, if that, just know that that's okay as long as you are right with God. Verse 7, it says, whoever keeps the law, there it is again, whoever keeps the law, is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. And so I pray, you guys, and I know it's a mantra you've heard a million times, but I've been walking with the Lord since 1989, a long time. Many of you, some of you weren't born yet. And it never, ever gets old, reading this Bible and just saying, God, help me to know you. And help me to live what you've commanded me to live. And whoever keeps a law, he says right here, is a discerning son. And that might be just like a statement of information. I just want you to know, Miho, that if you're living this uh, Bible, that it blesses your dad. You know, and, and that might just be a statement of information. And it also might be a statement of inspiration. Like I want to be a good son, and I want to. You know, whatever, like bless the family name, and so here we see: uh, if that's you, if you if you keep the law, if you if you live the word, then there's these extra family incentives. You know, you're a discerning son. But he says, a companion of gluttons, he shames his father, and that's an interesting uh, verse as well, you guys, because. I don't know, um, maybe that, you know, you, you read the reason he says he shouldn't be hanging out with gluttons and wine bibbers and all that kind of stuff is because they might make you one. Or it's just maybe because there's really nothing productive going on there. You're, you're running with that crowd, and you might not be doing it, but just you hanging with them brings shame to your father. And so a lot of us here, we don't, you know, our dad's not around anymore. Some of us here, our dad is no longer here. But our Heavenly Father is here. And if you want to make him smile, if you want to, you know, make the family name, you know, esteemed and honored, then start living the Bible the way you should. That's all he's saying. One who who increases his possessions by, by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. And so usury is the illegal action or practice of lending money at unreasonably high interest rates. And extortion is the practice of obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. And so what he's saying right here is if that's you, if you're one of those dishonest businessmen or violent ones, understand that eventually, inevitably, it's going to be given to someone else. And so whether it be something like um, the Canaanites, they amassed all this wealth, but eventually the Israelites got the land. It could happen here and now. Or might be a slower process. The Bible says one day the meek will inherit the earth. Just know this, that if you got it like that, it it will not last. And so, you know, just reading the Proverbs, just, you know, I know for most of you here, you know, you're going to be honest businessmen. But who knows, maybe one day you're going to be out there and someone's going to say, hey, you can make some money. We'll do this on the side. It doesn't have to be taxed. And God is saying, listen, I see all that. You need to be men and and, and women of integrity. Verse 9, it says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, there it is again, even his prayer is an abomination. And and if there's one thing, if there's one thing you want to make sure you're okay in, is your prayer life. You know, the Bible talks about in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, about husbands, if they don't treat their wives right, then their prayers will be hindered. You know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, that, you know, it's not the Lord's ear that can't hear or his hand that's too short, it can't save, but your sins have separated you from God so that he won't hear and answer your prayers. I mean, the Bible says that if I harbor or cherish iniquity in my heart, then the Lord won't hear. And so we, we want our prayers to be right. I'm praying for, you know, these heavy situations. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for my kids and my mom and my sisters and what's going to happen tomorrow. You're praying for the church, but they're just bouncing off the ceiling because we're not living right. And so... You know, we want that prayer life to be sweet. We want it to be powerful. And so there's this, you know, inspiration here. Uh, you can't turn away your ear from hearing the law. You know, and I and I think it is, yeah, it's it's being obedient. But it might even be just listening to Bible studies. You know, to be honest, I mean, maybe you used to listen to Bible studies, but now you don't anymore. I mean, I'm talking to you guys here and you're in a midweek service. So, you know, it's a little different, but there are many people out there they don't got time to listen to a Bible study. They don't have time to read it. And and the Lord is just saying, well, that's why your prayers are not being answered. It's crazy even what it says. It says that your prayers are an abomination. And so in one sense, what God is saying, and he's not saying it to be mean. He's just saying it, because he wants to motivate us, that if you're not willing to let God speak to you, then why would you have the audacity to think that you could speak to him? And so we want wisdom. We want all these things to be right in God's sight. Verse 10, it says, whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way He himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. Now, there's a lot here, but in verse 10, it's interesting even just to begin with that the upright can go astray. You know, we got to be careful. We got to make sure we stay on track, you guys. I'll tell you what. You know, we can go sideways, and so it is possible for the upright to go astray, but then to think that there are those who cause the upright to go astray, it it makes it such a challenging thing. You know, the contrasting futures is those that cause them to go astray will fall into a pit, but the blameless, and again, we're going back to this life, Lord. I want it to be right in your sight. Where the accusations won't stick, where there's no uh, secret sin, the blameless, it says, will inherit good. You know, Derek Kidner said, This attracted some of Christ's strongest words. You know, you cause the little one to stumble. It'd be better for you if you took a, a, a thousand pound stone, you tied it around your neck, and you threw that and put yourself in the ocean. Because I'm going to be coming against you, and, and so, you know, we see that in Matthew chapter eighteen, verse six. Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse fifteen. There are those out there. Um, I remember uh, my uncle, and again, it can happen in any church. You know, we've all seen it, we've all experienced it, unfortunately. But my uncle, you know, was an atheist, and one day I, I went up to him and why Theo? Why, you know, why don't you believe in God? And you try to tell him creation and conscience and all these things. And he said, you know, because I was an altar boy and I was molested by a priest. And so the Bible says, whoever causes them to go astray, uh, we have this pit, this place. And so be so careful, you guys. Verse 11, it says, The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding, he searches him out. You know, a discerning poor man, there are plenty out there. Some of you guys maybe even here, you know, that, that's you. You're, you've got wisdom, but you don't got a lot of wealth. A discerning person, they can see through the pretentious facade of a conceited rich person who thinks they know it all. You, you guys know this, right? Having money doesn't prove you're wise or right with God. You guys know that, right? Because sometimes I think it could even creep into the church, that type of mentality. And what we see right here is is the rich man who is wise in his own eyes, but the poor, he has understanding. He can actually search him out. And so uh, there's reading different commentaries on this. It's kind of interesting. Have you ever prayed the prayer like, Lord, show me my sin"? You know, it, it, Psalm one thirty nine. Lord, uh, show me, try me, prove me. If there's anything wicked in me, Lord, show me. I wanna, I wanna know. And that's kind of what he's saying right here. That, and then here comes along. You know, one day, whatever you're going to Seven Eleven, and you, you know, see a poor person there, and they're whatever. They, they, you know, they, they don't look like they got a lot of money, and so you want to give them a couple of dollars, and so whatever you give them a dollar or two, and next thing you know, they start speaking to you. Things about your life that need to be changed and need to be different. Let me ask you a question. Would you listen to them? I mean, here you are, you got it all. You're giving them the money, they don't got nothing, but they have the Lord. Would you listen? I pray that, that you would. You know, we look at this right here and we see the the poor. He has understanding and and he searches him out. And everybody sees the guy drive by and wow, what a nice car. Man, did you see the the getup that guy was dressed in? What a nice house they live in. But here's this poor man right here and he knows homeboy's not happy. And so for us... uh, we have to understand as we're going through life as a Christian that it's just not all about that. Because I know that if you buy into the mentality of the world that we're living in, those are the types of lies that they're going to tell you. For us, I I want to seek the spiritual riches big time. Verse 12, it says, When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked man arise, men hide themselves. And so, uh, NLT puts it this way: When the godly succeed, everyone is glad, but when the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. And so, again, when I when I look at this, I, I was thinking, even about some of the things that we're experiencing, you know, here in our country. And we have a lot of times, you know, these crowds of individuals, uh, protests, and things like that. And you know when there's good, you know times when there's rejoicing uh, over righteousness. It's actually a reflection of a society that's doing well. I, I read last night a letter from Dr. Dobson, and, and he was sharing this letter. And if you get a chance, I do encourage you to read it. But my wife was actually reading it to me, and it was uh, basically him saying, "Imagine what it was like at the first inauguration." When George Washington was inaugurated as our president. Imagine the joy. Imagine the rejoicing in the Lord. Imagine the unity that 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 took place on the on the first when the first president was inaugurated. But but then you fast forward to where we are today and, and it wasn't there. I mean, talk about division, talk about Craziness. We're, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of soldiers that are there that are, that are required to, you know, whatever, protect, they say. And it's just a it's completely different thing that we have going on. But we have drifted so far from God. And so how do we get back? Uh, I believe with all my heart the, the only hope we have is for Jesus to return or the church Rise up, and every member of the body functions the way they should. Ephesians chapter 4, where every joint supplies. And that's where we need to be. Verse 13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And you guys know how it is. I think that's our natural tendency, huh, to conceal or cover our sins ever since Adam and Eve. You might remember that the fall took place. They went and they got their fig leaves. They hid uh, uh, behind the fig trees, and they hid from God, right? But, but we see right here that if you do that, if you, you're going to hide it from everybody, you're not going to open up to anybody, you're not going to say anything to anybody, you think you can hide it from everybody, God says then you won't prosper. And he's talking about a spiritual prosperity here, right? But when you confess those sins, and in the in the Greek, it's homologeo, when you when you speak it, and forsake it, it's then the Bible says that you will have mercy. You know, and, and you get when you get a chance, I encourage you to read Psalm thirty two, three through five. Uh, it's a really cool chapter that David wrote. Because there was a season in his life where he had, he he was in sin and it was just tearing him up, you know. Probably for a good year he was not right with God and he felt it in every fiber of his soul, you know. And he said, "When I when I just when I hit it, it just weighed me down." You know, like we talked about in the very first verse, you can't be as bold as a lion when there's sin in your life. And so when you confess it, you guys, and I, I don't know if there's anyone here that, that you need to come clean, you need to confess your sin, you need to forsake it, you, you can't just say it, you have to actually stop it. When you do that, it's kind of cool how the blood of Jesus will come and, and wash away our sins. You know, I think that as a church, we're blessed in so many ways. And like I said earlier, I think that, you know, for the, not, I'm not saying that we're all perfect or anything. But, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that people would come out on a midweek service. Uh, hopefully it means that you're really seeking after God. But I, I tell you what, just in case, there, there might be one person here today. And God is just saying, hey, after service today, if you want mercy then you need to tell somebody what's really going on. You need to get that burden off. You need to come clean. And then you make a decision today to forsake it. Verse 14, it says, happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And and we've read, you know, some of these Proverbs, you know, about happiness. Here we see that the happy is the one who's always reverent. And the old King James, it says that feareth always, right? The NLT says, blessed are those who fear to do wrong. It's a good place to be. But the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. You know, he who hardens his heart. You know, Pharaoh is the poster child for this, right? The, the hardening of his heart. The first five times God says, hey, you know, let my people go. And who, man, imagine if Pharaoh would just listen to God. Did you see the way that their snake swallowed up your snakes? I mean, did you see the way the river was turned to blood? I mean, the things that are so obvious. You know, if, imagine if Pharaoh would have just listened. He would have had life. And maybe even life abundantly. What about me? What about you? As the Holy Spirit speaks to us, what if we don't harden our hearts? What if we stay sensitive and start taking those steps that are necessary to live a different life? Because God has so much more for you. You know, it's so important for us because if we don't listen, if we harden, then it's going to be more difficult. It will be impossible in some cases to ever return. Verse 15, it says, Like a a, a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. And so one of the things you'll see during these uh, Proverbs right here is um, a lot addressed towards rulers. You know, if you think about it, Solomon himself was a king. I was blessed. I, 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 I think after all was said and done and the dust kind of settled, I, I was. I think Mike Pence had a good witness. And, and I like the way that he talked about how he was in the word a lot. They made fun of him. Here's the vice president of the United States of America saying that he read his Bible each day and he had a personal intimate relationship with God and they made fun of him. Well, The only reason I'm saying that is imagine if our rulers read the Proverbs. And here it says that, you know, like if you're a, a ruler who thinks he could take advantage of the poor people, and a lot of times, you know, these politicians, they're just trying to manipulate things. They're not really, you know, trying to help. They're trying to get reelected. That's their goal. And so here we see it's like a, a roaring lion and a charging bear. Or these guys, a lot of times they're getting rich too, and they're taking advantage of those who are poor. But if you do the right thing, God says, then you will prolong your days. And it's, that's an interesting thing because that's kind of what we read earlier. Verse 17, it says, A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. And don't, don't you guys trip out on, on, I mean, how people murder people? You know, and you got gang members, and you've got you know a lot of guys, unfortunately, that that do crazy things like that. And so here you have an individual; they're burdened with the bloodshed. More than likely, it's in reference to the guilt that they feel when they do such a thing. Um, God's saying if they're 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 going to run, but they're going to run into a pit. And and He says, let no one help him. And so it, it could be in reference to. Don't be an accomplice to the crime. Like, here's an individual. They do the crime, and you're going to drive them away. Don't even don't be anywhere near that. Don't help them. Sometimes we read these, or we see these stories about individuals, whatever. They helped them bury the body, but they didn't actually do it. It could be that. But more than likely, it's in reference to after it's all said and done, and, and you come alongside, and you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, we, we'll, you know, you're okay. And God said, no, don't even pacify them in any way. They need to feel the weight of what they've done, the wickedness of where this road will lead them so that they'd be saved. That's why the Bible says sometimes you have to deliver individuals to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that in the end they might be saved. Verse 18, it says, whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. And, and this right here, this being saved, it's not in reference to salvation. We know salvation is not based on our walk. It's not based on our works. It's actually just talking about being saved or rescues from rescued from the calamities and troubles of life that were avoidable. And so, you're, you know, you're you're walking, not perfect, but proper. You're walking blamelessly, uprightly, obediently. Let me ask you a question. I have to ask myself the same question. Is that you? Are you blameless? Are we being blameless? He says, if you are, then you're going to be protected. But if you're perverse in your ways. God is getting sending out the warning right here that you, you know the, the fall will come inevitably and sometimes it comes uh, suddenly. Verse 19, it says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows uh, frivolity or lack of seriousness or lightheartedness will have poverty enough. And so again, we go back to this and, and I know... You know, we all have places of work, right? Even if you don't have a job, you you have work to do. Like if you don't have a job, then maybe you have more work to do at the at the house or whatever, looking for a job. You know, we we see it frequently in the Proverbs, God's you know, prompting and and pushing and, you know, telling us the importance of working hard. And so he says, hey, if you work hard, if you till your land, you're going to have plenty of bread. And if you don't, if you think it's not that big of a deal, that you don't have to really toil, you don't have to work, you don't have to sacrifice, then you're going to have plenty of poverty. That's kind of what he says. And I think it's something that it just, I know for me, it helps me. Lord, help me to be a hard worker. Verse 20 says, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. If you jump down to verse 22, it says, a man with an evil eye or a stingy man hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. And so again, and we're, it's kind of, I don't know, it's interesting that God keeps saying the same thing But I guess you could say in different ways, be righteous, be blameless, be faithful. You know, if you're faithful, you're going to be blessed by God, you know. But again, if we're looking for riches and if that's our God and that's what kind of wakes us up in the morning, hey, today's payday, you know, um, then God says, then I'm going to have to deal with you. The, the stingy man, he's again hastening after riches. You know, that one right there, the Bible says that poverty will come upon him. Verse 21, it says, To show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. And so, uh, believe it or not, I know that might sound like, like um, nothing. Like, what do you mean a piece of bread? Well, how many of you here like bread? I'm just curious. I mean, yesterday we had a a soup and they had a bread bowl and, oh man, it was so good. And so I got one person over here giving me bread bowl soup and I got this person over here, they're not giving me anything. Uh, I could see myself being influenced, hey, they give me, you know, the bread bowl soup. (laughs) Uh, and God is just saying, never, never, none of that. Not that they're your friend, not that you, whatever, you guys grew up together, they're your compa, not that whatever, they're a family member, whatever. No, it's not like that. We, we can't show partiality. It's not good. We just can't have that in our hearts. And so we love the rich man. We love the poor man. We treat them fairly, whoever they might be old, young, whatever your definition is of good-looking or not good-looking, all that kind of stuff, it's never, ever a factor in our decision-making. Verse 23 says, He rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. And so, again, we've seen this many times how in the end, people, like it says in NLT, they appreciate honest criticism far more than they do flattery. Verse 24 says, Whoever robs his father or his mother and says it is no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. And David Guzik said, There are some who have little conscience about stealing from their parents out of some sense of entitlement. They rob them and then they say it's no transgression. And we're living definitely in a time huh, where the kids think that we owe it to them. And so they'll even take, kind of like the prodigal son. He stole his dad's fortune and he had no problem doing it. And what God is saying is it's, it's just ugly. He even says right here, they're a companion to a destroyer. Verse 25 says, he was of a proud heart, stirs up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. And I I don't think you're going to learn this in high school, down the street, in some public school. I don't think you're going to learn this watching the movies. I don't think you're going to learn this through social media. What will they tell you? They'll tell you, follow your heart, your heart. You know, it's kind of like this compass, kind of like this guide. And, and what, what does the Bible say? No, don't, don't follow your heart. He who trusts in his own heart, it says, is a fool. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart will deceive you. It's desperately wicked. And so for answers and values and guidance, we should not look within but we should look to the Lord. It's not by feelings. It's not by feelings. It's by faith. It's not by emotions. It's by convictions. As a matter of fact, I, I came across one commentary that's real interesting. He said, you should distrust, distrust your own judgments. I thought, well, that's interesting. It is. Because so a lot of times we think, well, we're the standard. And God says, you know what? You should probably get some other people to to just counsel you, pray about things because we're not always right. Verse 27, it says, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. And so God help us to start helping the poor more. Verse 28, when the wicked arise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. And and we saw something similar back in Proverbs 28, verse 12. When wicked men come to a place of prominence and rule, it's bad for the community. You know, freedom and blessing to the community are much less present. And in response, when that happens, when there's freedom and there's blessing, we see that, that God does a work. And so, It's interesting to me, reading the Proverbs, he talks a lot about the land, a lot about, you know, the community. And I I think that for them, of course, you know, they're talking about Israel, they're talking about God's people. And for us, I I think that United States of America has many parallels as well. And so uh, let it begin with us, you guys. Let it begin with us. Uh, Don't forsake the law, um, that our prayers would be strong. That we would be righteous, that we would be blameless, that we would walk wisely, and that we would take all these things to heart. And as we do, and as we grow, and as we're more and more like Jesus, and more and more empowered by the Holy Spirit, more and more led by Him, He says, I want you to talk to that person, and I want you to send them a text message, or I want you to make that phone call, or I want you to change this, that, and the other, whatever it might be. You know, things at home, you know, getting things right at home. You know, I pray, you guys, we would have that wisdom. Because this is, I think this grassroots effort, the trickle-up theory, I think it really is what God calls us to do as a church. And so, again, um, if you're here, and just in case, if you're all good with God, praise God. And, you know, I hope you go home and you have a the and you have a great night and things go well for you. But if there is anyone here who is not right with God, I pray that the Lord would just convict you, the Lord would lead you to just get on your face tonight, somehow, some way, and just have that time with the Lord and just say, God, come in. God, take over. God, I give you my heart because I know that's what he wants to do.